AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening to this podcast on your iPhone, please make sure to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. All you got to do is just type in my podcast, the PhD podcast, scroll to the bottom. You'll see write a review. You can either write a review and leave a five-star or you can just leave a five-star. Support your homegirl. Every little review counts. We are trying to grow the PhD podcast into bigger and better things, and I cannot do it without your support. So thank you so much for supporting me, and let's begin this week's episode. Later. You are now listening to The Professional Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Podcast. This is your girl, Ebene, and as always, I am super excited about this week's episode. Um, Before we we begin, you know the routine, let's do a little housekeeping. Please make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PhD Podcast, and last but not least, at Ebene Beauty. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-P-H-G underscore. Make sure you show the website some love at www.thephgpodcast.com. And last but not least, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at thephgpodcast.com. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. To my guests, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. I'm feeling great. Good. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story on the podcast with me Uh, I think this is a topic that we definitely need to discuss more within our community so thank you so much I really appreciate it thank you for having me thank you so let's start from the beginning so what is bipolar disorder 
Bipolar disorder is what used to be called manic depressive. It is when you have super high highs where you're feeling like you can take on the world. You can do 15 different things at one time and not get tired. And then your serotonin drops and you feel super low. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want to get out of bed. You feel like the world is ending. You may be having thoughts of suicide. You may be feeling like I'm not doing anything with myself and you could be on top of the world as far as your career, your goals and your family, but your serotonin levels in your body decrease and you're feeling like you're at your lowest point ever. Is it something in particular that causes bipolar disorder or? Bipolar disorder can be genetic. You can also be the only one in your family for 20 centuries to ever have it. It is um, psychological. It is economical. It's crazy. It's also, um, you can just be a product of your environment. So it can just be like mini triggers. Yes. Um, what are some misconceptions you would like to clear up, clear up about being bipolar? About being bipolar, it does not make you crazy. I think everyone That's a good one. puts mental illness under one umbrella, and that umbrella is crazy. Mm. Anyone can wig out. You can be having a great day. You can have no mental issues, and you can reach your limit with a trigger, and you can go crazy. The definition of crazy is delusional, and delusional and mental health or mental illness is not the same thing. I wish we could disconnect mm-hmm. those two. Why do you think people connect it so much? I think it is connected so much because of TV. What is seen on the media. Every time it's on the media and it's exposed that someone has a mental illness, it's after they have committed a murder or after they've committed a crime. Right. So what are some common symptoms of bipolar disorder? Common symptoms of bipolar disorder include um, manic depression, which is basically a bunch of depression, just constant phases of depression, like two, three, four or more days of constant depression, not wanting to get out of the bed, not wanting to interact, having anxiety, having um palpitate heart palpitations where your heart is just racing that that's Mm -hmm. on the depression side and then euphoria is on the manic side where you could be having risky promiscuous sex you could just be doing things that are a danger to yourself such as driving at high speeds just for fun Mm. or it's like an uh, adrenaline yes exactly or just Mm. Or just you could be both. Some people have episodes of manic and depression at the same time. That's why that's where they got the word manic depressive from where you're feeling super high. Like you can go to the grocery store. You're feeling like you can join the army and you're feeling like you can write three papers tonight. But inside you're really feeling like I don't love myself right now. I'm not happy about myself. I may have not brushed my teeth this morning or taken a shower, but I'm still going to go out here and interact with people knowing your hygiene is not up to par. That was just the depressed side of you not wanting to conduct those things this morning, but knowing that you had some right. things that you needed to get done. So I know there are different types of within this disorder, right? Correct. How many types are there? I believe there are two. And I think they just keep it more towards like manic depressive, which is bipolar mm-hmm. one. And then there's bipolar two. Which means you have mm. two or more episodes a month of bipolar. 
Yeah, I want to talk about episodes, but I have that later on down the line. So. Okay. Uh, I know one question I really want to ask you because I know within our community we like to joke a lot. Um, how do you feel when people make jokes about people being bipolar? I used to feel really closed in and I wouldn't say anything and I would just kind of be mad on the inside and not say anything out loud. But now I'm such an advocate for it. I speak up and I'm like, hey, that's not funny. That could be a trigger for someone around us who may not want you to know they have bipolar disorder. Or I'll say something to the extent of, you know, do I act like that? Because I'm bipolar. Mm. If they if they don't know and if they do know, then, you know, I'll just say, like, you've seen me in that state before. But you also knew that I was in an episode during that time. So, you know, let's not take me back. Be my right. be, be my motivation to keep going. Let's not joke about that. Right. I don't find any bipolar jokes funny anymore. Now that I take it more serious because when I was younger, I did not take it serious. I was ashamed of it. And I was like, doctors are just being doctors. I'm not bipolar. So at what age did you realize you were bipolar? I went to the doctor on my own insurance as an adult at 19. And I was diagnosed as manic depressive. And that is when it was called manic depressive. So I was on a couple different medications. I did not want to be on them. So I did not take it serious. But over the years, several doctors and psychiatrists and therapists have told me that I was bipolar and I began to take it serious. So the onset age for me was 19. Now, did certain events lead up to you being diagnosed? Like what made you go to the doctor? When I was younger, I stayed in my room a lot. I was very sheltered as a child. I always felt secluded Mm -hmm. and I also always felt excluded from things because I couldn't do things so at school in high school I would hear you know this happened on the weekend that happened this happened this happened that happened and I'm like I'm excluded from these events because I can never come out I can Mm -hmm. never do anything and I'm always in my room making up all these plans about how to get out and what I'm going to do when I get out and so um that was one thing that played into it also my father was abusive verbally Mm -hmm. and physically so that played a role into it. So basically you're just having all this downtime to think and you're having all this downtime where you're just depressed. You're in and your own head. The best of you. Exactly. You're in your own head and you're just creating all these scenes that are not real. Like, Oh, if this happens, this is how I'm going to react. You're planning all these events that are not reality. Mm. So I know we had a conversation prior to this and you mentioned that your parents knew about your disorder growing up. I think that my mom knew about it because I think that my mom, or excuse me, I know that my mom suffered from depression. I don't know if they knew the terminology. I don't know if my mother knew the terminology. And I, to this day, my father, I don't believe that my father believes in mental illness or medicine. Mm -hmm. So how did your mom take it growing up? For me or for herself? For you. For me, she would always try to talk to me. She would always ask me, you know, how was my day at school? What happened? She'd always try to tune into me, but I was already tuning out Mm. from her because in my mind, you're married to this man who's causing these issues for me. So you must agree with his parenting style. So although she was tuning into me, I was tuning out of her. So I would tell her certain things. I tell her things, you know, as all children do. I tell her the things that I want her to know. Right. Then in high school, I started getting into physical altercations 
yearly to the point where um, it was recommended that I go to therapy and she put me into therapy. But in my mind, the therapist was working with my parents. So I wouldn't tell her. So it really wasn't for the benefit of you. It wasn't. I was like, I'm going to give you limited information because you're just going to tell my parents because unfortunately, as a child, you don't know that confidentiality that a counselor has with the client. Right. You're a child. So you're thinking all adults talk to each other. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking anything I tell you, you're just going to tell my parents is going to get me in more trouble. I'm going to be grounded even longer. So I don't have anything to talk about. But my mom did try to put me into therapy. And then she pulled me out eventually. I think I went to therapy one time and then I was pulled out of it. Yeah, that's unfortunate because a lot of kids don't know, like, you're a client. So if you tell your therapist something, that's between you and your therapist. Right. Uh, How did your dad take it while you were growing up? Bipolar or the therapy? Bipolar. I don't think that my father cared. I think that everything that wasn't done to his liking was a trigger for him. Mm. So for me, it would end up being a whooping or some people say a beating or a spanking, however you define getting whooped with a belt or being punched or being choked, however you describe that outside of abuse. Those would be how those things is how those things would be the way he handled what was going on with me right yeah when you told me that he was like um that he would try to beat it out of you and I'm just like damn like I can just imagine how many other kids went through that exactly to this day I do not whoop my son spank my son any of that because I feel like I'm trying to discipline me out of him I also have ADHD so I get the fidgeting and the jittering and the hyperactivity so when he's He's, you know, he's getting into that. I'm kind of like, you know, let me just step back. Let him run around the house. Let him do whatever he's going to do. Because had I not been grounded, I would have been wanting to run around the house. I would have been wanting to make noise and beat on things. However, I knew better. (laughs) Right. It had already been taught to me that this is what you're not going to do. Right. Um, And you do think, or not think, do you think that bipolar disorder, is it hereditary? I do think it is. I do. Do you think that maybe your mom or your dad have it? Or? I do. I think that my mm-hmm. father is bipolar. Mm. It was several times growing up where he'd be like a happy camper. And five seconds later, it was hell. And I remember as a child, my mom would always joke that he's like Dr. Heckle, Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, I started thinking and I started looking back on certain situations and I think to myself, like, that's the on and off switch, on and off switch. That's right. the happy, that's the low, that's bipolar. <laughs> right. But it was like an ongoing joke in my family, in my household. So what is your relationship like with your parents now? Me and my mother, I think that we are closer than we have ever been. I'm 28 and she's 50. And I feel like at this point, if I wanted to talk to my mom about sex, that's mm-hmm. something I could come to her and talk to her about right now at 28. I do not feel like ever in my lifetime there was a time where I could come to her, even as an adult, and say anything about that. Right. Me and my mom, I have allowed myself to 
let the past be the past and let her be my mom. Mm-hmm. I've realized now that my mom was depressed in her marriage. She was unhappy in her marriage and she was scared in her marriage. Yeah. I have stepped back from that and let my mom be my mom. I don't want to say start over with her or anything like that because I don't want to say that. I, right. I want to say that I'm allowing my mom to be my mom. As far as my father, we've never had a good relationship. My father is incarcerated and I've only mm-hmm. been to see him once. And that was only to take my son. And I mm-hmm. do not have plans on seeing my father. Mm-hmm. So there is, that's a dead relationship there. It's just so crazy because it feels like within our generation, we're more prone to like taking better care of our mental health and just investing more in ourselves because you know times are hard and I feel like back in the day it wasn't the same for them like they didn't have the same tools and resources so like when you try to explain to older people or a different generation like they just don't get it I agree I think now that like you said we have so many resources and there are so many campaigns talking about mental health it is taken more serious now and I think back in the day, not even like way back in the 60s, but just as recent as like the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I don't think that it was such a huge deal because people were afraid to talk about it. Right. I think everyone had that stigma that if you had a mental illness, you were crazy. Right. That's that's sad. Um, it is sad. It's unfortunate. Yeah. I know that you said that you took medication before. So are you on medication now? I did take medication before. And I was also self-medicating. I completely stopped sometimes. Sometimes I take it, miss a day, take it, miss a day, miss three days, take it. Oh, I remember I'm on medication. You could take it. I was up and down. But currently I am medicated and I do take my medication daily. I do not miss a dose. And if I think that I missed a dose, I take it as soon as possible. What you was doing? You was smoking weed? No, at one point I did get into... um, narcotics as far as pills Mm -hmm. I've never been weed no that's never been my thing pills have always been my thing Mm -hmm. some people say they jumped off the porch with like weed and then they upgraded I jumped off the porch with pills Mm. and it was in an attempt to commit suicide when I was when I was 13 and how long you been on medication I have been on medication since 19 years old and I'm 28 so how does the medication help you? For me, mm-hmm. I know when it comes to my ADHD and I take my Adderall, I'm able to focus. I don't take more than I'm supposed to. I don't take less than I'm supposed to. I take it as prescribed. And I only take it when I'm at work or at school. I don't take it when I'm out of school because I want to be myself. I want to you know, I want to have fun with my friends. I want to have fun with my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be so so focused that I'm missing out on what me and my friends are talking about or what me and my family are doing. Right. When I take my antidepressants, they just keep my serotonin levels up. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that dip to where I'm feeling down. They just keep me balanced. Right. So are there any side effects to the medication? Every time I talk to my psychiatrist, I always remind them that I don't want anything that's going to make me gain weight. (laughs) (laughs) That is (laughs) what, you know, women don't play about their weight. Don't play, don't play. Unless I'm going to gain it in my hips, 
I don't want the weight or in my butt but, or in my butt. If it's not going to be that, don't give it to me. Right. Um, so that is a side effect of um, antidepressant medication, mm-hmm. weight gain and low libido, libido. And um, I haven't had any area, any problems in that area, mm-hmm. but there has been a medication that I was on where I felt like no sexual stimulation at all. Oh, wow. And I knew something was wrong because I was in a relationship and I remember feeling like I just rather not. And I knew something was wrong because before that I always felt like I rather. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that was, a, <laughs> I knew that was a side effect of it. I knew that was a side effect of it, but that is one of the, um, that those are two of the symptoms or side effects that you can have or a metallic taste in your mouth where you feel like you've, you're tasting coins or mm, pennies. I heard that one. I read about that. And I have had that one before on a specific medication. Mm. So what would happen when you don't take your medication? Um, when I was younger, I would notice that I'd be feeling good. So I'd stop taking it because I'm like, oh, I'm better. I'm healed. I don't need this medication. I was just tripping. I wasn't, you know, in my right mind at the time when I went to the doctor and that's what they did. They slapped the medication on me and now look at me. I don't, I don't need it. I'm healed. I'm fixed. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed, you know, I go a couple days and, you know, it wouldn't be like skip it one day and now I don't feel good. It, it go, I'd go a couple days, a couple weeks. And then I noticed like I'd be irritable. Mm-hmm. I'd feel like everything someone says I want to, I want it to argue. I wanted to know, why do you feel like that? Well, why are you saying that? Why do you think that? Where'd you, where'd you get that thought from? I'd be argumentative. And I'd notice that I would just feel down on myself. I'd feel like, okay, yes, you're in school, but look at this person. They're this age. They're in school. They have two cars and they bought a house. I'd nitpick and I compare myself when I wasn't on my medication. Mm. I'd notice that about myself or I'd have friends saying, you know, like you're binge drinking, you know, at one point you're not drinking. The next thing you know, like two bottles to yourself and everyone else is like, oh, it's time to go home and you still want to party. So I'd I'd notice that I would myself and people around me would notice. I noticed that you mentioned when you were younger that you were taking pills. So who, how did you have access to those pills? When you were self-medicating? I was in, I was 13. So that was eighth grade, ninth grade for me. My birthday falls late. So I can't remember if it was 13, about to be 14, or if it was the summer of eighth grade going into the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. So all of my friends have always been older than me because I have the late birthday. So I'd get it from them. I had grandparents who were older, who had, you know, multiple, um, surgeries and wouldn't take the pills or would have pills laying around and I've always been smart I've always read the DSM-9 I've always loved mental health I've always wondered why somebody would call somebody crazy because to me it was like I'm crazy too so what does crazy mean and I'd look it up right so if someone had pills around I'd look it up I'd see what the pills were and I'd see what the side effects were and I'd notice you know may cause drowsiness and I noticed like, hey, that's what I want to do. I want to take a long, long nap. Mm. And if it said drowsing on it, I'd take it. And I mean, that's just kind of how it started. If it would make me drowsy, I'd keep taking them. If it didn't make me drowsy, I wouldn't take that pill again. Right. So basically stealing. <laughs> you know what's so funny though? Because I feel like a lot of parents like, you know, kids are smart these days. 
They are. I don't keep anything out around my son. Especially with Google. Like, it's nothing for a kid to go Google some shit and figure out how to use it. And that's what I did. I would just Google. I didn't have a cell phone, but we had a family computer. Right. So, hey, it was nothing to log onto the computer before my parents got home. And like I said, my mom was on antidepressants. So before she admitted that she was on antidepressants, I knew what she was on. I had already read her pill bottles. Mm. So what are your thoughts on people when it comes to their negative views on medication? Because I know a lot of people, especially people within our community, don't think that you should take medication for your mental health. My um, personal opinion on medication is that it works, but your lifestyle has to fit. You can't be taking medication for antidepressants or bipolar or schizophrenia or anything and then still be out drinking, doing drugs, living in a household where you're arguing, you're being abused, or you're seeing things that are traumatic to you. That medicine isn't going to take an effect on anything because your brain is still seeing the same things. You're not being exposed to positivity, but you're taking a pill hoping that you have a positive outlook on your depression. It's not going to work like that. That is true. So have you ever had any episodes? And also, can you explain what episodes are for those that are not familiar with them? So an episode is just a time. Kind of like, you know, when you watch an episode on TV, it lasts 30 minutes, it lasts an hour, or if you watch Netflix series that episode lasts however long an episode is a time frame so there's manic episodes which is episodes when you're just time frames where you're going you're just in complete euphoria and then there is a time frame where you're just completely depressed so those are episodes just time frames that's just how that's just how Mm -hmm. you mark them So have you ever had an episode? And if so, how often would you get them? Um, when I was younger, I felt like I was just in a constant episode of depression all the time. I don't feel like I ever had any mania until I was about 20, in my 20s, where I would just, I was just promiscuous. I just felt like this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to do it because at this time I'm grown. I don't have to ask anyone. Right. I don't have to come in at a certain time. I don't have to tell anywhere where tell anyone where I'm going. I don't have to. Right. I don't have to tell anyone anything. I don't have to give anyone an explanation. Not even to the person that I'm being promiscuous with. I don't have to tell you why I'm doing these things. I'm my own person. I was just in that manic episode of it feels good, so I'm going to do it. And in my twenties, mm-hmm. I had that. I. I would be medicated. I would self-medicate. I'd be off meds during that time. That's just what it was. And then after it, I'd feel super low because I'm like, I'm beautiful. I'm smart. I have a lot going for myself. Like, those are just not the type of things that ladies do. Right. That's just not how a lady behaves. It's like, I feel like you would do it, but then you know you wasn't supposed to I know I wasn't supposed to be doing it before I did it. But in my mind, it was Mm. like, this is going to feel good. And this is what I want to do at this time. So I'll deal with the consequences afterwards. And that's just what I did. My most recent depression episode was in November of 2019, where I actually checked myself into a... um, I I voluntarily committed myself into a mental hospital. That is a time 
where I was just having an episode of depression and mania to the point I'm older now, so I'm not going to go have a bunch of sex. I also mm-hmm. have a nine-year-old. It's just not appropriate. I'm also not going to binge drink because I have work in the morning. I have two jobs. I'm just not going to do that. I'm also not going to go off on a random person in a store just because they triggered me. I'm just not going to go off on a tangent. It was just like an inner battle with myself. I'm not going to do these things because I know they're wrong. But I was de- How long were you there? I was there for a whole week. Mm. Yep. And how was how was that experience? Was that your first that time? That was my first time being there for a whole week. I've been there before overnight. And the first time I went, I thought that's what I wanted to do. And when I got in there, I got scared. So I said all the right things to leave. So can you explain the process of checking yourself in? Checking myself into the hospital. So what happened was I drove to a mental health facility. I let them know that I was bipolar, that I was medicated, and what I was going through. I spoke to a psychiatrist. Um, Then they put you back out in the waiting room. They have you come. They have you speak with a clinical psychiatrist. That is someone who doesn't just do um, Q&A with you. They actually tap into what meds you take, how long you've been taking them, what things are you getting into, why do you feel like this, what does your support system look like. They go deeper into what's going on. I sat back out Mm -hmm. in the waiting room. Um, Then I spoke with a therapist. I go to therapy weekly. So I let them know, you know, I already have a therapist. I'm not going to start from the bottom with you and tell you my whole life story in in this little bit of time. I go to a therapist weekly. You can contact her. You can let her know. I have a therapist and a psychiatrist. I've been doing this since 19. I'm heavily in the game. I'm not new to this. I know why I'm coming. (laughs) I'm coming. We ain't going to start back over. Exactly. Like right. it's kind of one of those things like, are you done or are you finished? Like I'm finished at this right. point, Which one? you know, you can contact them. They can go over my history with you, let you know, like I'm in the game. After that, I spoke to a intake counselor where um, basically the intake counselor was like, you know, is there anyone we need to call? Do you have kids? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I've already let my mom know I was going to do this. She's going to get my son off the bus. My son is safe. He has somewhere that he's going to be. And at that point, I didn't give a damn about my job. So I was like, as far as the job goes, you don't need to contact anybody. Right. This is what it is. I'm here for me. Nobody needs to know anything else that I need some help. And I'm here to get myself some help. I'm not worried about HR. I'm not worried about having a job to go back to. This is what I'm here for. So after I spoke to the intake Mm -hmm. counselor, they basically gave me a room. I came in there in my scrubs. They were like, you know, we can give you some sweatpants. And at that time, I had been crying all day. I was out of it. I was like, give me a pillow and a blanket. I don't want dinner. Turn my light off. Mm. And that's how it went as far as intake. And when I woke up the next morning, they told me they were going to involuntarily commit me, which means it's no longer your choice to be committed. We think you need to be committed and watched over a period of time. So when I did an interview, I did an interview with a um, with my guest, and I think her the name of her story was um, I tried to commit suicide. Uh-huh. So she was telling me how when she got committed, that she for the first time she felt like herself, like she felt I was comfortable as ever. I was just telling my mom this yesterday. I was in there for five days. I did not call my son. When I did call my mom, I kept it so short with her to the point she'd say something, and I'd be like, "All right, bye." 
Mm. (laughs) I didn't want to talk. Right. I wanted to be free from all of my responsibilities. I felt so comfortable in there. She brought me five pair of underwear, five pair. We could only have five pair of anything. Five pair of socks, five pair of underwear, five pair of shirts, or five pair of sweatpants. We couldn't have anything with alcohol. So all my deodorant was like powder deodorant, one toothbrush, and they had to give us the um, toothpaste because it couldn't have alcohol in it. And I was comfortable. I woke up every morning. Why is that? Because people use anything with alcohol in it to drink, to get drunk. Wow. Yes, because sometimes people in there suffer from um, substance abuse. So while I was in there, you know, I woke up every day at 630. I went to bed every night. It was lights out at 10. You didn't have to go to bed, but the lights were completely out. So what Mm -hmm. else could you do? And while I was on that routine, I loved it. I even tried to do it when I came home because I felt like this is some structure I can try because it didn't kill me. Mind you, I'm not Mm -hmm. not at all saying I think I could go to jail or prison and survive. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I felt comfortable because it wasn't like prison. I was just in my own mind. I got the therapy that I wanted. I went to group. We had rec time. I felt like myself and a lot of the thoughts that I were having, I was having, I didn't have those thoughts when I came home. Like at one point I was thinking like, I don't want to be a mom anymore. Maybe I want to give my son up for adoption. Maybe I want to have my mom adopt my son and I figure out who I am in life. Like I'm 28. I have a degree. I mean, you are young. But in my mind, I feel so old because I've pissed off so much of my time doing other things Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was playing catch up from being sheltered. And then sometimes it was kind of like, I'm not into a lot of things that people are into because I've had a lot of time to mature because I didn't get to be childish as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was always in my room, grounded. Mm. I didn't have those. Are you the only child? No, I have two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. I'm the middle child and the only girl. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a lot. A lot. Right that middle kid. Yeah. yeah. And then the fact that you're the only girl. The only so. girl. I feel like both of my, my older brother never lived with us. He wasn't in the household, but we knew him. He came over all the time. It wasn't like, a, oh, I have a brother somewhere. No, we had a relationship. All of us had a relationship. But I feel like they definitely had some life experiences that when I hear it now, I'm like, when did you do that? Right. How old were you when you did that? And then they, I'm, I'm pretty sure they look at me like, are you serious? Come on. But I didn't have those experiences because I was right. the girl. So I had, I had the curfew at 12 o'clock. You know, mm. I, I had the can't go anywhere moments. You mm. know, at one point, my dad wasn't going to let me go to prom. In the 11th grade when I was asked because he told me you're not going to be fucking in 11th grade and 12th grade and I thought to myself like it's prom <laughs> yeah what do you mean so when you know he said that to me I told my mom I wasn't going to prom senior year she basically like mm. pushed me into prom like what do you mean you're going to prom bought me this nice expensive dress and everything like her and my grandmother coached me into it like you're going to prom like this is your senior year but that's how my childhood was. So a lot of things I'm just kind of like, I feel like an old soul in a 28-year-old body. Right. And you in therapy now, right? I am, yes. How has therapy been beneficial to your growth? Super beneficial. I'm honest. Completely. Yeah, I love therapy. Completely honest. I live my truth completely. I have no problem telling anybody at work, in a group chat, 
on the street, I will yell it. I'm in therapy and I love it. I have tried to get my younger brother to go to therapy. My mom Mm -hmm. has recently began therapy. I'm trying to get my 75 year old grandmother to go to therapy. My son was in therapy for a year because I just felt like I'm so callous and he's so caring. Some of my callousness would rub off onto him. And as a child, I don't want him to have that. I want him to still be carefree and loving as a kid. So I had him in therapy because I'm thinking like, you know, maybe had I taken therapy seriously when I was younger and maybe had I stayed in it, I would have not made a lot of choices that I made because I would have Mm -hmm. had better guidance. I would have had an outlet. Right. So what are you teaching your son about mental health? I'm completely blunt with my son about my bipolar disorder. So he knows, you know, when I'm down, let me have that time to myself. Let me go in the bathroom and cry, punch the air, and vent. Just let me do that. It's nothing you did. There's nothing you can say. And I always tell him, you're a child. It's not appropriate for me to vent to you. So let me have that moment. If I want to just be in my bed, let me have that moment. But of course, yeah, come check on me. You're my baby. Come check on me. You know, but when I'm short with you, take that as a hint that mom is tired. My mind is tired. Let me have that time. Have you ever? Oh, and I was just going to say when I'm up, I'll fly him to the Bahamas. Like, hey, (laughs) if I have, (laughs) exactly, if I have the money, (laughs) oh, baby, we gone to the Bahamas for two days. Okay, hey, boom, we're going to Miami. Like, I'll take him somewhere. We go to museums. We do things. He can tell when I'm up and when I'm down. Because he'll ask me, mom, have you taken your medicine? Mom, did you talk to your therapist? Mom, do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to get something to eat? He checks on me. If you don't mind me asking. He's nine, but because I'm... He's very intuitive. Very. He's a Gemini. Mm -hmm. I'm very big on Zodiacs. I'm a Leo, Mm -hmm. and he's a Gemini. And I'm very honest with him. So I think a little bit of all of that and, and the way I'm teaching him and talking to him, I talk to him like an adult without the adult words. Right. So I let him know, you know, you're taking medication for ADHD right now, but you will not be on it the rest of your life because you are going to learn to accommodate yourself. Mm-hmm. So he knows like right now, this is something I need to do. I need to take mm-hmm. my medication for bipolar disorder. I need to have that time to myself every now and then. He needs to have that time to himself every now and then. Because kids have emotions and everything, too. So we just have that open dialogue between us. Um, so I know uh, I took I was starting to take my mental health seriously when my grandmother transitioned like four years ago. OK. And I was having like anxiety attacks. Like I was just really like at my worst when it came to mental health. And I didn't understand it. So when I was trying to explain to my friends and stuff, they're just like, oh, ain't nothing wrong with you. You just in your feelings, this and that. So like, what are your thoughts with that? Because, you know, you having um bipolar disorder I can imagine how many people were telling you that nothing was wrong with you like you and your feelings mm-hmm. like just stop acting like that like what did you do with those situations so my grandmother really irks my nerves when she says things like and she that. old school exactly <laughs> she's got that yeah. mentality like just get over it but unfortunately minorities have that mentality of just get over it just get out your feelings just pray on it. And I'm thinking like, mm. I've prayed to die before. So at one point I was feeling like prayer doesn't work because I didn't die. But Ooh, but then, yeah. but then on the other, the flip side of that, I had prayed for things that 
I got, and that's just God's grace. But you can't just get over mental illness because it's your mind. You have to be mindful of what you're dealing with and you have to go and seek some help. Otherwise, you are going to go crazy. You are going to become delusional. You are going to start not seeing reality for what it is. You are going to start having other problems around. You are going to lose your job. You are going to have strained relationships with people because you're not working on your mental health. So at one point when she used to say that, I used to get so, I used to feel like she is so irky right now. What do you mean get over it? If I could just shut my brain off, I would. Right. And then I remember sometimes, you know, my mom would be like, oh, you just have an attitude. And I'm like, yeah, I do have an attitude, but I don't know why I have an attitude. I don't know why this just jumped on me. I remember feeling like mm-hmm. a tug and pull inside my body when I was younger. And it would be like, it would cause me anxiety because it's like, if I don't get myself together, I am about to get beat. But then it's like, you know what the hell was going exactly. On. It's like, I am about right. to get beat, but then it's like, I don't know how to make it stop. So I guess I'm just about to take an ass whooping. But then it's like, mm. I don't want to get beat. So I need to change it. But it's like, ur, 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 ur. Right. so when I got on my own insurance and I told the doctor all these things and he's like, it's obvious. You don't have to keep explaining it. <laughs> but I'm like, right. no, I want to tell you everything because, you know, you've always been taught to be honest with the doctor or they can't help you. So mm. from 19 up until now, I'm just kind of like. I swear, I'm so glad I went and got myself checked out because Nobody was going to get it done for me. Listen, if you don't stand up for you, nobody else will. No one. And I tell my son that all the time. Like, if you feel like this medicine makes you feel X, Y, Z, say something to me. Because I'm going to be the one to tell the doctor X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Like, I know mm-hmm. he takes ADHD medication and it suppresses his appetite. My ADHD medication suppresses my appetite, too. That comes with it. But when he mm-hmm. told me he started feeling, you know, like he was getting a headache, I immediately told her, like I text her like, hey, he's starting to get headaches. I also suffer from chronic migraines. So for me, I don't know if it's the medication or he's having some symptoms that I've had. So I'm on it. Mm-hmm. I tell him, if you don't tell me everything, you're not honest with me. I can't be that voice for you. You can't help him. No. So right. I'm just always like, I'm just so glad that I was that voice for myself because some people just they go off what people say in their family or they just go off what other people say or they just say, hey, you know, somebody else is dealing with this and they're fine. So I'll be okay." But I'm just proud of myself for being that voice for myself. I've always been blunt. I've always been outspoken. My personality is loud. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I have no problem telling a friend go get some help. I have no problem recommending a therapist. I have no problem advocating for somebody or being that resourceful person. Like I'll look it up for you. If I don't have the answer, I'll talk to some of my colleagues who work in different fields and I'll find that cardiologist that you need. Like I don't mind. Do you always feel the need to always tell your friends or your, uh, your partner about you being um, bipolar? I don't always feel the need and I have not always been upfront and honest. I rem- mm-hmm. recently, you know, just through starting my blog and everything, I recently looked back and I thought to myself, like, I was toxic in my 20s. I'm pretty sure my last relationship, I'm pretty sure he had some times where he was like, she is wigging out for no reason. But mm-hmm. he didn't know I was bipolar because I was ashamed and I didn't talk about it. But going forward, mm-hmm. I will be telling anyone that I date. Um, 
um, so I know that this is your career focuses on bipolar and mental health. So how does it make you feel when you see families' reactions to their loved ones' diagnosis? Um, sometimes when they're very supportive, I'm so happy for that family member because I'm like, you have a strong support support system behind you. You're going to be fine. And then sometimes I'm very, 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 very upset of the reactions of some family members because I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you already know I'm going to see you back in here for a mental breakdown because you have no support. You have nobody that has your back. You right. have nobody that you can reach out to or in the cases where people who can't afford therapy my heart just hurts because it's like you have no outlet. You have nobody who understands. You have no help. You have no resources. Or for people who don't have a car and they have to get a ride to the doctor. I'm just like, right. it just saddens me because it's like, sometimes I have been there where I didn't have the support. And then sometimes it's just like, I can't imagine not having a car or I can't imagine not being able to afford my medication. Yeah. Hell, I can't imagine not being called to my therapist. Right. Like, that's such a part of my normal routine now. Weekly. <laughs> right. Weekly. <laughs> I she text her. In many situations. Child. Seriously. I remember. I to drive a couple of people. <laughs> I remember when I, you know, went to check myself in. I called my therapist and I let her know, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I just remember her thinking, or I remember her saying, like, I've been thought that this is something that you needed to do. And I'm like, why didn't you say something? She's like, I did. But remember you, you talk over me sometimes. So you may have missed it. Mm. And I'm thinking like, yeah, that's when I'm in a manic phase where like, I want to tell you this and I want to tell you that. And I want to tell you this. and I want to tell you this. And I only have 55 minutes. Yeah. That's a fact. (laughs) I want to let you know how, especially if I talk to you on a Monday versus a Friday, the week just began. Yeah. Um, How can families be more supportive when it comes to those individuals? Families can be more supportive when it comes to um, anyone with mental illness by, you know, asking the simple questions. Are you okay? Have you ate Mm -hmm. today? Because, you know, a lot of times when you're depressed, you don't eat. Sometimes when you're anxious, you don't eat. And when you don't Mm -hmm. eat, that says a lot about you. Because sometimes when we're busy and we don't eat, we forget. But sometimes when we're sad and we don't eat, we have no appetite. Mm. The simple questions, are you okay? Have you ate? Are you doing all right? Is there anything you want to talk about? You know, how's your day going? How's your week going? How's your month going? Depends, you know, when you see that family member. How is it going? The simple questions, just the the check-in questions. I mean, how you doing goes a long way. It does because, hey, you might say, how are you doing? And somebody might spill it all out. And you're like, oh, yeah, had no idea. Right. You might say, how are you doing? And someone's like, good. And you know right then, are you good, good? Or you don't want to talk good? Right. Based off your experience, do you feel like the black and brown community could do more when it comes to mental health? For sure. For sure. I think that if we had the resources and I feel like if we had the um the open mind if if we were more open minded i feel like we could get further in this mental health community i feel like we could come together i feel like our, i feel like we we're closed minded when it comes to mental health mhm it's like you said i feel like everything is based off of pray about it you know do you have faith 
go to church and that's just not always the answer or push through yeah push through or you got it you got it or you know unfortunately I was telling my mom you know recently unfortunately when people say I'm going to pray for you that was the prayer Mm. (laughs) they don't actually sit down at night and pray for you or take some time before something before they leave or after they leave you and pray when they said I'm gonna pray for you that was the prayer they just sent up right we, yeah. we we gotta we gotta be more hands on. We gotta get out into the community. We have to go to the meetings at school, the PTSA meetings. Start sharing our stories more. Yeah, we gotta open up. You know, I'm 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 gonna be a social worker soon, and you know, one of the things I keep telling myself is I hate to hear minorities say, "What happens in this house stays in this house." Mm. No, we gotta start telling what's going on in the house because if you're being molested or if you're being assaulted in the house that doesn't need to stay in the house it needs to come out the house to get you some help Mm -hmm. if you're being mentally or physically abused that's not something that needs to stay in the house Mm -hmm. if somebody at home is struggling with substance abuse that's not something that needs to stay in the house how can we get that person help if it stays in the house Mm. it's not necessarily telling your business but it's a testimony to get that person or yourself some help yeah and to get you safe to get you safe you know if you see something say something we we gotta start using that last but not least what is some advice you would give to our listeners that are bipolar last but not least some advice that I would give to listeners that are bipolar are to create yourself a self check-in sheet make a list of some things that you want to take more pride in doing with yourself whether that is taking 30 minutes a day to put everything up and listen to what your body is saying. Your body may be saying, hey, we're unhealthy. We need to eat better. We're tired. We need to take a nap. We're tired. We need to start going to bed at this time. Listen to what your body is saying. Listen to what your mind is saying. Mm -hmm. Take a break from some things, you know, start exercising. You know, when your body sweats, you're opening up your pores. You're getting that fresh air in. It's opening your mind. You know, just just take some time out to take care of yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. You sure can't, child. When you are completely depleted, you can't be of service to anyone else. You you don't even have the right words to give someone because you're completely depleted. Mm-hmm. When you're up, when you're uplifted, when you're encouraged, when you're motivated. You spew out positivity. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have it, you don't have it. Kind of like a bill. You you can't pay it till you have the money. <laughs> I ain't got it. <laughs> I ain't got it. It ain't even on me right now. You know, you gotta, oh, you gotta take time out for yourself. Whether that means get a haircut, you know, buy yourself some clothes, take yourself to dinner, Take yourself to lunch once a month, once a week, however you need to do it. You know, get your nails done for the guys, you know, take a guy trip. I don't want it all to be focused on what women do as far as getting your hair done, getting your nails done. I tell my brother this all the time. Go somewhere by yourself. If you have kids, go buy yourself something in that day, in that time. Don't buy your kids anything, even though that's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Go buy yourself something. If it's nothing but a pair of socks, maybe you need some new underwear. Go get yourself some new boxers. Or underwear if you're a female. Take some time out for yourself because at the end of the day, if you're not your best, you're not going to perform your best. And that's at work, in family time, in friend time. 
you're not going to be yourself. Your headspace mm. is going to be so clouded. You, you're not even going to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm really big on mental health. And I know that you are. And she recently just um, launched her blog. So for those that are interested in connecting with my guests on this week's episode, please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com. Because I think that, like you said, we need to not keep things in the house and we need to be a little bit more vocal about things so we can all look out for each other and, and you know, win. Yes. Mental health is not nothing to be playing with, child. At all. At all. You don't want anyone to snap and you don't want to snap yourself. Exactly. So if y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns for me or my guests, reach out to me. And until next time, guys, later. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.